a child's death that has haunted the town of Pekin for the past year. On November 18th, 13-year-old Robert B. was reported as a runaway by his mother. However, we have been in touch with the Illinois State Police and are in the process of entering information of a missing or endangered person advisory. What happened to Robert B. brought people in Pekin out to search for answers themselves weekend after weekend. Thousands of leads poured into the Pekin Police Department. The search for the teenager coming to a halt on a hot July day when his skeletal remains were found. listening to Ashes to Ash TV, The Disappearance of Robert B, episode 22, The Cooler. So before we really get into this episode, I just want to remind everybody that we are still dealing with alleged theories here. Nothing is 100% fact on any of this. It is an investigation, so we are looking into all things that are said to see if there is validity behind them. So I'm about to call Bree since we're headed to Illinois tomorrow and I want to catch her up on what we're going to be doing out there. We had gotten a call from a woman who has additional information about the Robert B. Jr. case. Hello. So I just kind of wanted to let you know a little bit about what we're going to be doing out there. Okay. So a woman had reached out to me in regards to the Robert B. Jr. case. Okay. And she has some kind of really interesting information. She actually believes she saw Bonsai push down the flight of stairs. Okay. And we've been able to check out some of the information that she gave us. Not in regards to that, but to some of the other things she said, and it all seemed to check out. So I thought she might be a really good person to interview and kind of see what she believes that she saw the day that Bonsai went missing. Okay. There were some reasons why what she said was extremely compelling because she knew a bunch of information that we have never put on the show and that we had held back because the people we had spoken to had all either asked to remain anonymous or for other reasons. And it was really interesting when I was talking to her that she actually spoke about this information. So I think it's going to make it pretty interesting because now we have someone on camera saying exactly what we've already heard. And I think that is going to be compelling for people to see. Wow, that's insane. Yeah, and also that one thing that she happens to have information about is that Bonsai may have been put in that cooler and she knew the location of where the cooler ended up. And that's something that we know also. And I think that we're talking about the same place, which is crazy because like I said, we've never posted that on the show. So my thought is maybe not only do we interview her, but we get her in the car and we actually drive her so she can point out where she saw the cooler, just to make sure 100% that we are talking about the exact same location. Now she doesn't know that I already know about this location, so I just don't want to influence her. I want her to just see if she takes us to that exact same spot, but she already said the same street name. So I believe that we are talking about the same house on that street. I just don't want to influence her telling us that. Basically, you'll be flying out and I'll be picking you up at the airport. At the airport, Bree loads her things into my car and we head out. Good to see you. You too. First of all, I didn't think we would be going to this interview. How many times did I confirm it? 
You confirmed it like probably about 10 times. Right, even this morning I was confirming and still concerned, but she's never faltered even for a moment. So, well, you, you do have to be careful, and like I do see why you're checking so much just because you have been stood up a few times before. So, yeah, my understanding, and we'll obviously clarify this, but she either has been active in the drug community, she might still be, but she may have also had a couple weeks of sobriety here. I think our objectives are we do the interview, we see if we can get her in the car to show us where the cooler was relocated to. So I think those are the main objectives. Her claim is that she was there the night that Bonsai was pushed down the stairs. So I feel like we have to take that very seriously. And then we also, not only do we have to take it seriously, but we also need to look at how factual this seems because her name has never come up. Or did the rest of the people not realize she was there because it sounds like she was in and out. So she, did she just stop by to grab something from Jerry and then leave? and saw it happen? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what was she doing at Jerry's house? Was that a common thing? Did she go over there a lot? Was she drug-seeking also? Or was she? did she go over there to borrow a, pan, a cup of sugar? I, you know, I, obviously that's not what happened. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm like hopeful, but then I'm also very cautious. I'm wondering why this interview came so late, though. So... My understanding is she didn't watch the show till later. Okay. And I think we've seen that with a couple people, which you have to be careful at because you don't want the show to dictate what they're telling us. Mm-hmm. But some of the things she knows we never put on the show. We know them. We didn't put them on the show because privacy issues, it was the source just giving us information, but they didn't want to be pointed out. Keeping all that in mind, that's why I find it compelling, but also nerve-wracking. So you realize that you might have been there because you watched the show. That makes me a little leery. But then you have this other information we never put on the show. So, like, how did you get that information? How is she getting the location of where this cooler was brought? And, I mean, she's nervous. She's, like, literally afraid this is going to get her killed. But then in the same sense, she's like, I want to go on the record. So it's probably this one. As we get closer to our meeting, we pull over and start to set up. This past Christmas, we asked the audience to join us in a letter writing campaign to the Illinois State Police to hopefully help look into the Robert B. Jr. case a little bit more significantly. And we were really overwhelmed by all the outpouring of people who wrote letters and a lot of people sent us the letters they wrote. It was truly a blessing to see all the letters that were written, and I didn't feel so alone in my efforts to get justice for Robert B. So what we started doing was a letter writing campaign to Luke Satterley, and he's the master sergeant of the Illinois State Police. And the reason we did that is I really want him to sit down and talk with me so I can show him everything that we've uncovered. We actually have more information than we've put on the show, I would at least like to sit down with Satterley and go over the information that we have so that if it does seem viable that it can be looked into appropriately. So now we're hoping the letters really bridge that gap so that maybe he'll talk to us to see the information that we've uncovered. I just really want to take a moment to thank everybody who wrote letters to help us get the attention of the Illinois State Police.
We finally sit down with Andy to discuss what she saw. Okay, so you're, I just want to confirm that you're 100% okay with us using this on the record, everything. Okay, I just want to make sure. I know we talked then, about it, but <laughs> I like to just confirm so it doesn't ever seem like we're surprising someone. So I think my first goal with this interview was to find out why Andy went to the 1400 Hallman house on the day that Bonsai went missing officially. And just to remind you, this is also the house that Jerry Birch was renting at the time. Do you remember what made you go over to the house that day? Were you like, I wanted to just say hi to Jerry. I was looking, looking for, for drugs. drugs. Oh, you're looking for drugs. Okay. Yeah. So when you saw the thing at the stairs, how long had you been there? About? I just stepped. Uh, there's a you know where the there, you know basically. where the porch is. Yeah. You open the door and then there's like one corner post and the sink yeah. is there. I was just past the sink and I'm looking left and I never took my coat off, no nothing. You okay, know? so you had just got there. And okay. he was going to work, so there's no reason for me to stay, you know, I, you know, because normally I'd sit and talk to him for a second or what have you, you know. So you had just kind of gotten into the house right where the sink was there and then what, so you heard either playing, but it didn't sound like someone was just walking up the stairs. It sounded no, like someone was, was like running or... Yeah, oh, okay. and then somebody chasing him, okay. you know, because I heard that hands grabbing at his ankles to stop him. So I don't know if maybe they were cooking in the basement. Something they didn't want him to tell yeah. or they didn't want somebody else because they didn't know who I was, but it was a woman's voice. And So when Jerry put his hand up to stop whoever was coming up the stairs, what was that just like uh, like that? Or was it like a shove or what were you, what kind of do you, do you remember if, seeing? If, if I'm Jerry okay, and you're talking to me, you hear that thump, 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 thump. And yeah. then he, you know, because he got too close, and then he went, you know, and tried to grab him, and he didn't grab him, and then he looked over at me, you know, I, I, I guess as he's falling, and I'm hearing, you know, I don't know if the person behind him, you know, grabs him, and they're going back down, and but I didn't hear no more laughing, you know, like I heard him laughing going up the steps, so I don't know if it was kind of a play thing, but then he was getting too loud, because I'd never met him, everybody talked about him. With Jerry, I said, you've been questioned, where was you there that night? Oh, why are they already talked to me? I was at work. And just sat there and just tried to make me believe it was between Kira, the toss up between Kira and Teresa. And then after I remembered the, you know, cause when I stepped in the door, it was that. And then he goes, you know, he tried to grab him. Yeah. And I hear the don't, 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 don't. But see, I, uh, whoever at the time it was coming up, I hear, and it was kind of a, not a, it was a, but then I hear somebody's behind him. I don't know if they're chasing, playing because I heard him laugh. And then when Jerry did that, and then I heard the fall, I was, I was like, he turned and looked at me after, you know, he fell and I said, I said, everything all right? And he's like, oh, it's all right. You tell them guys down there, settle down. I got company up here. He's grabbing his boots and he had no shirt on. You know, he's getting ready for work. So I'll just talk to you tomorrow, whatever. You know, when's Kira coming back? Oh, well, she'll be here tonight. And I went back that night. Nobody was there. And there was no, Kira just done cleaned everything, I guess. I was talking to Kira and I was wanting to leave and she was kind of sliding down the wall. There was no chair in the kitchen. And everything had been moved anyway off of that counter. And that's, there was a divider, like a, a closet divider door that you pull out. Well, there was a divider to the top of the steps. And that's why I didn't see who he pushed. You know, I just seen the initial, you know, and every, that's what it was. And I was like, oh my gosh, so. What was it that made you think that was when Bonsai went missing? That's when I first met Teresa. 
But you think it happened right in those that like couple I, days where Bonsai went missing. Yeah. The night that you saw the push down the stairs. That person came up to the top of the steps. They whispered to him. He just looked at it. He's like, well, Andy, yeah, I got to go to work. And I said, all right, I'll see you later. He's like, I got to take care of something. Whatever they told him, they went down the steps and I turned around and went home. The only person you physically saw was Jerry and the, the either the nephew or oh, Josh, gosh. depending on who it was. But there was no one else that you saw in the house. At this point, Andy had told me that there was another man for sure in the house that day. And she wasn't 100% able to identify him. So Jerry had mentioned that his nephew was in town. And she wasn't sure if this person was Josh or Jerry's nephew. But she really does believe it was one of the two. No, at that time, Kira wasn't home yet because he stayed out in the front. Then when I went back up there. Okay, so you went back over to the house and saw yeah. Teresa at the house the next night. The next night. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it had to have been the next night. It wasn't the same night. And I had just gotten off work, so it was really late. Eight, I'd say. Had to have been Saturday. One of the things I think is really interesting about what Andy was telling me is that Kira was living there at the time, but she was not there the evening of Bonsai's disappearance. She also mentioned that she had seen a stack of Kendra's clothes, but it doesn't sound like Kendra was living there quite yet. It sounds like she was in the process of moving in, but she also was not there that night, according to Andy. And the last person she mentioned is Teresa, and it seems like she believes that Teresa wasn't staying there that night, but she was going to stay there the following night. So on this particular night, the night of Bonsai's disappearance, which is November 18th, 2016, she did not see Teresa at the house. Andy also confirms that she did not know who all was in the basement though. So any of these people could have been in the basement, but she did not see them there. Andy also mentioned that she hadn't met Kendra until after this date. So one thing that Andy was pretty clear about though is that she did hear another person in the basement. It was a male's voice and she was extremely familiar with this male's voice because she had been hooking up with this person in the past. So she was very familiar with it and she does believe that he was in the house. She even went so far as to confront him. Currently we're gonna hold back his name, but it is definitely somebody's name who's been brought up on these episodes before. But then I called on the phone. I called him to say, you knew about the cooler. You knew. Well, you know, and asked him about it. He goes, what are you talking about? That's when it started dawning on me. I said, you knew. You were there. And he's like, are you kidding me? And then I asked him about the cooler. He said, what are you talking about? Like, denied it. When he was the one that, when, when I first got back, was asking me all the questions. I think it was just to see how much I remember. Then in our conversation on the phone, he said, do me a favor, just don't say nothing about the cooler or whatever, you know. Do you really think that has the mind to cover up a murder? I didn't think about it then, but no, I don't. But you do. I know something went on. They used him. So another person that Andy brought up was her son, Jeff, and she claims that her son, Jeff, was paid to move a cooler. What I find is really interesting about this is the fact that she knows where the cooler was at one point, but she doesn't know where Jeff moved the cooler to. So the location of where the cooler was is kind of what I'm most interested in, to see if it lines up with the location that we've heard from many people that there was a cooler at this location. When Jeff described moving the cooler, do you remember what he said about that? Or how did you find out that he, he moved the cooler? He said that they paid him to move a cooler in my head. He don't know what's in it. He just took it out and dropped it off because he said South Peking. I don't know where or whatever, but 
It might have been through a house or something or somebody else, and I've never asked him. And But in my mind, they used him. I seen it on Cook Street. Josh lived in the basement in the back, you know, because I was going around to get, go in the basement, knock on the door to get my tool, because I, I let him borrow the extension that I had. I went to step around the corner, and Josh was at the top of the steps already, and I was like, Hey, whose cooler is that? Because, you know, I mean, mine got stolen. I've, I've done been through a few coolers already because I'd done bar, let somebody else borrow one. So this cooler, I'm like, whose cooler? And he's like, oh, Andy, you don't want, you don't, just stop. You don't want to go get that. That's got dead fish in it. And I ain't opened it. You know, it's been there a couple months. That's why it's out by the fence. I, you know, he said that. And I said, oh, okay, I don't care, man. You have that cooler. I'll go buy a new one, you know? But do you think the cooler was just sitting on the ground or was it sitting on something? It was, it was on the ground. It was on the ground yeah, by the fence. And it was blue, but the the top was no longer white it was kind of like an orange but it almost looked paint like it had some paint with it too okay. with the orange on top because it was a faded red orange but there's chains on top of it okay like like it looked yeah, like you it couldn't was through open the handles it, it was of, yeah and it was locked oh it was like a serious it had, it had chaining a pa- job uh, lock lock on it you know like Chain, a padlock? serious chains yeah okay <laughs> so <laughs> you feel like from what you saw you would have needed a key to open yeah. the lock on yeah, it you okay would, yeah okay so one thing I thought really fascinating about Andy's interview is when she talks about the chains on the cooler. This was definitely the first time we had heard about chains being on the cooler, but definitely not the first time we had heard about the cooler itself. Would you, and this is only if you're comfortable with this, and we won't like stop or anything, we'll literally just drive by, but would you mind coming with us and showing us where you saw the cooler? Yeah, we can go up there. Because you know what, Josh was always, he grew up, he was one of the good little youngins, and I'd seen him up at Jerry's, but then he's ripping everybody off and everything. I said, you know what, boy? I used to think he was gonna be the good one, you know, like your oldest brother. He wasn't gonna get into drugs and stuff. I said, but I'm looking at you a little different now. I think just drugs got a hold of him. I say, you know what? You got three choices. You're either gonna quit, go to jail, or end up in a grave. Which choice do you wanna make? That's what I told him. And you know, then all this happened and everything. And how big do you think the cooler was? Do you remember? I know it's, it's just a blue one. I, it was blue with white lid and the handles. It wasn't nothing spectacular or special. Yeah. Taking the boat because I always put it in John boat. I'd fill it with ice, and we always had another cooler for our uh, aerator and minnows and stuff, you know. But that one was for our food or whatever, you know. But it was, you know, this big. It made me so mad with Jerry lying to me trying to put it off on the boat after i remembered it i wanted to go up there and i didn't care what it was going to take so do you think though that you saw that cooler then before bonsai's bones were found or i saw them before yeah definitely um you know yeah and it was before august because he was still here and it was just getting it we still had on like you know it was just getting to where you could just have t-shirts on when they borrowed that tool okay so you and jeff was still here okay so it had to have been like june or july probably yeah i mean they found his bones late july so easily could have been june or july then if that if it is connected that is yeah yeah all right well yeah why don't we'll um pack up and then we'll just go by and then we'll bring you right back but i just kind of want to see and we won't stop we'll just literally drive so that there's no we don't draw any attention to ourselves right right okay cool So I think that most people who wrote a letter to Luke Satterley did receive a response. Unfortunately, this response was merely a form letter. The same letter went back to everybody and he just signed his name to each one of them. 
I think what really concerns me about this is I was initially called by someone at the state's attorney's office, and I do not want to get this person in trouble, so I don't want to say their name. But the information that they gave me was that the Illinois State Police were not actively investigating, that they had to wait for the Pekin Police Department to ask for their assistance. And I feel like these letters from Luke Satterley confirm this belief. Basically, is what they say is that they've been in contact with the Pekin Police and they are willing and ready to help them if they need it. So unfortunately for us, is what we're saying is the Pekin Police do need the Illinois State Police's help. But unfortunately, the Illinois State Police seem unwilling to budge on that unless the Pekin Police Department reach out to them for help. So although I do believe that the Illinois State Police have been involved in certain parts of this case, my only confirmation of the times that they've been working on this case are in regards to when Bonsai's bones were found and making a DNA identification on those. Unfortunately, I do not believe that they are actively investigating, and I do believe they are just sitting on their laurels waiting for the Pekin Police Department to come and ask for help, which I actually don't believe is going to happen at this point. So even after this letter writing campaign ended, the Illinois State Police have still not reached out to me. Apparently they are not interested in the information that I have. I have tried to send them information without confirmation on receipt. So I have no idea why they're not interested in the information or if they're just not taking it seriously. And please keep in mind I have reached out to Luke Satterley and the voice message that I had reached did say his name so I am confident that I did reach his phone line and he has not responded to me. So I think it's a really a disappointing thing that I'm unable to give my information to the Illinois State Police. And furthermore, they're not responding to my contact with them, which is incredibly frustrating. I just want everyone to know that despite these setbacks, we are continuing to fight on this case. And I actually do believe there will be another episode out in two weeks. So we are going to continue down this road and we are going to continue fighting until we get someone bigger and badder to take a look at this and make sense of the evidence that we've uncovered. Andy and I get in the car and drive to the area. She gives me directions to lead me right to where she saw the cooler. I like to see where everything is and how. Right. Take a left here. Okay. It's that great. If you go down this, stop right here. Okay. I mean, can you? Yeah, see where that end of the thing is where the truck is? I want to take a right right there. Okay. And then the, the big fence there yeah. is, is out a little ways. You can go around and go down the alley. Oh, yeah. I'll Let's see that. See it right there it was, you can see right through there oh it was you right see, back there yeah, did you see where it yeah i'll show you exactly okay what it was yeah i saw the slider <laughs> but right here at this pole yeah right here right there's the house right oh okay or well up a little further go okay you can see that slat right here you can see that slat yep right there was the cooler so it was all the way back yeah back here. It, was, it was about 10 feet in oh okay on that left side sitting right there wow and when, if, if you can see through there, you see the corner of the house. I yeah. just walked around right there. And before you get it to go down that door right there, I started, I took about four, five steps, you know, out in the yard. And he's like, oh, you don't wanna go out there, Andy. And yeah, like, oh, okay. One thing I find really fascinating about the cooler and its potential contents is it's come up a lot within the family itself, Josh's family that is. And on two occasions we have heard family members speak about what was in that cooler. We've had not only people within the community but also a family member say that there was fish in the cooler. And then we've had another family member and people from the community say that there was stolen meat in the cooler. The one thing I want to make really clear here is why would you keep fish or stolen meat in a cooler in your backyard? 
the people that we've spoken to or we've gotten information from have told us this cooler sat in the shed for quite a while. Please keep in mind, however, this shed is meant for gardening tools and mowers. It is not meant for food, and I cannot imagine ever putting food in this shed. But according to both community and family members, this cooler had been in the shed and it either had stolen meat or fish that was left to go bad in it. At some point, it sounds like this cooler must have been moved out of the shed over to the back fence line, and that's where Andy's saying she had seen it. After we dropped off Andy, Bree and I continued to drive around town. She did take us to the address that the fucking cooler was said to be at, so that's really compelling. That's actually the most interesting part of what happened there. Because, like, the rest, I just don't know. The rest, I felt like, could have been any given day there. So it was the address that you were thinking of? That's what's interesting. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And the cooler had chains around it, you said? That's what she said. I didn't That's say. What she said. Yeah, okay. I had never heard anyone say the thing about the chains. I mean, I think someone would do if you didn't want somebody to open it. Yeah. Right, like an extra level of protection. Exactly. But like, why would you, if you just had dead fish in a cooler in your backyard and it was all up against a fence, why would, I've never seen chains. Like, I can't figure out what reasons you would have to put chains on it. Exactly. Some of the things she said were really compelling, though, to some of the other stories I've heard. That's why I think it's interesting. So even though you have people in actively using drugs in, a, in that way a little strange, sometimes their stories are still connecting, which makes me lend credence to what they're saying. Not everything, always, but... That's really crazy that she hears someone running up the stairs and not like a, just your normal walking up the stairs. I think that's the thing I have the hard time with is were you there that day? If that if this alleged theory is accurate, were you there? Yeah. It does seem so weird that so many of them though, are they just jumping on the bandwagon because there's the show or, but then like, then she says the thing about the cooler and like, we've never said that. That's what drives me nuts about these things. It's like, we've never, ever said that. Yeah. We've never mentioned that house. We've never brought that into anything. So like, how did she have the same location? That to me says that there's validity to what she's saying. Exactly. You know, even though it's chaotic and hard, but like, that's the thing is, I don't think you can not listen to them because it's chaotic and hard. I think you have to listen harder and try to find the points that connect. So I have some great news for all of you following the Robert B. Jr. case, and we will have another episode out on March 22nd. We have received another video, and we've had to just really consider how we were gonna showcase this video to the public, but I definitely think it's something everybody's gonna wanna see. So stay tuned, and we'll be releasing more on the 22nd. Also, just a reminder, we are releasing episodes for Carolyn Blankenfeld every other week. This series is getting extremely intense. We're on episode 12 now. There are a lot more to come. We've uncovered a lot of information. So I definitely recommend, if you're not, tuning into that series as well. And in this month, also, we will be announcing season three. And I think you guys are all going to be very interested in what we're up to for season three. Just wanted to break into the episode really quick to remind everybody to subscribe. If you do choose to subscribe, you'll get to see episodes early. You'll get discounts on merchandise, behind the scenes footage and uncut interviews. And you'll also get to be part of our private Facebook group where we do monthly Q and A's. So you can ask us questions directly during a FaceTime Live. The show will always be free because that's how we get in tips. So if you have the means to subscribe, we really appreciate it. The money just goes back into us helping try to solve these cases.
Now back to the show. We have one of those coolers with the two handles that pop up. I felt like that's what she was saying. Yeah, it seems like a pretty standard cooler. Yeah. But I don't think he would have been able to fit in it. Uh, just kind of crunched in there. He probably was dismembered. Yeah, that's just how. Just to be honest. No, that's my feelings too. Because I was like thinking about the measurements in my head. She kind of said it. I was like, hmm. Ashes to Ash is created by Ash Patino, assistant editor Michael Howard, co-host investigator Bree Blankenfeld, associate producer Kate Giordano. Please follow us on Facebook at Ashes to Ash True Crime. Please follow us on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter at Ashes to Ash TV. Interviews for this episode, Andy, and the actor who plays Bonsai, Barrett. If you have any tips or information, we can keep you anonymous. Please contact us at ashland57 at gmail.com. A-S-H-L-A-N-D-5-7 at gmail.com. If you know of any illegal activity involving this case, please contact your local law enforcement.